everybody. This is Greg Reffner with Abstract. Super excited to have Guy Ray, Director of Sales at Antara, along with us today. Um, Guy Ray, please introduce yourself, sir. Yeah, Greg, thanks for having me. Guy Ray Jang, the Director of Sales at Antara, um, and just excited to get into this topic today. Cool. Awesome. Well, our topic today is building with the buyer's journey in mind. And so um, when we were prepping for this last week, I think there were some things that based upon some success you just had were really top of mind. And we wanted to really hone in on that and kind of take some examples and hopefully some takeaways that our listeners could use to then kind of maybe facilitate some things in their own career. And so building with the buyer's journey in mind, um, we're definitely going to be focusing on that today. And one of the, the kind of the things we want to do is we want to hone in on staying focused on your ICP. So that's where we're really going to kind of kick things off. And so um, you just started an Intera. Um, and so I think it's a, a good segue to our first question, which is for someone who's coming in brand new to an organization and being tasked with in a lot of ways standing up a sales motion, a sales team, a revenue ops function from the ground up, what's the number one thing that they should be doing um, to kind of get a, a, a view of the landscape and, and what's going on? Yeah, for a little bit of context, um, just joined about a month ago and um, but have about one individual contributor on the team looking to scale. And so for myself, even for my personal 90-day transition plan, um, it's just kind of understanding the business um, and, you know, to the topic of this um, podcast, something I'm very passionate about is understanding your ideal customer profile and aligning one's sales motion, uh, sales engagement to the buyer journey. And so even I, I practice this, you know, even um, as, as, a, as a leader on the team, obviously I get involved in deals as well. So I do this exercise. Um, so I'm going to share, you know, four things that you know, I typically do. And um, really it's nothing fancy. It's going back to the basics of ideal customer profile. It's actually catching up with my um, former CMO, um, a uh, couple of days ago and he's like, dude, yeah, that's really the basics. Everyone wants to get real fancy with, you know, ABM, multi-channel, which, you know, all, all great things and we should do it all. Right. But really we got to, I, I really have been seeing the value of going back to the basics. So a couple of things, right. Uh, first thing is one join as many. So I'll just put some numbers just to be helpful, right. Every organization is different, but join about three to five live, what I call stage zero to stage two um, calls as much as possible. So that could be discovery, maybe the call after discovery, just stage zero to stage two. Join about three to five of those. And, you know, you're capturing them at the start of the sales process and understanding, you know, um, you know, a rep that's running discovery will do a good job, in my opinion, of, you know, identifying the gap, the current and the future state of where they want to be and uh, to understand how the prospects speak about that, their language, you know, I, I value what I would call the three P's, the, the people, their process and their pain points and understanding that. Um, second is um, work with your account management team uh, or whoever, you know, maintains that relationship with your customers. Join about seven to 10 um, calls, um, um, not just calls, but set up interviews. Um, if you have the luxury, set up seven to 10 interviews with current customers. And a couple of things you want to ask, um, ask them about when customer X became a customer with your company, um, what was that gap assessment? And it, it's not some formal thing on paper, but just in general, like 
where were you before and where were you looking to go forward and where did the solution that you know our company provide uh, where did the, where, what, what was provided that allowed you to get to that future state ask the gap questions i mean of course identify that gap between the current and future state second right. you know ask them why why'd you ultimately buy simple question um third what what do you what do you how do you explain our solution to your peers. You know, for us, we uh, work with CIOs and CISOs. Use your language. How do you position? How do you talk about it? Um, fourth, what is the impact that the solution has had for them in their day to day? So this, you know, no need to get overly technical, but this is kind of getting at, you know, not just the process and, you know, technology pain that it had, but really from a business perspective, you know, ask them about KPIs. What what has changed? What impact have you had? Has it uh, uh, really driven ROI? Has it saved time, um, et cetera? So those are the types of questions I would ask in an interview. Okay. Um, I want to pause yeah, right there real quick. Hone in on a couple of those things. Um, so I love the kind of the way you define like stage zero to stage two, right? Being very prescriptive with that. Um, would it be a fair assumption to say that you know, we should also maybe break that down a little bit further and go, we want to look at like inbound opportunities, ones that found us. What does that discovery look like versus what is maybe an outbound where we're maybe doing some more education? So I'll pose that question and have a second question I'd like you to maybe hone in on a little bit more, which is something that kind of new to me is like, how do they go and tell, like, how do they go and explain your solution internally? Because the language that they use is good. And more often than not, I would find is probably different than the messaging on your website. Um, and so I'd love for you to kind of maybe hone in on those two things a little bit more um, once you kind of finish. Yeah, um, I'll just take them now. I mean, absolutely. Um, yes, very simple. I think we should kind of segment if possible inbound and outbound, right? I think, um, um, talking about what I'm going to get into a little bit later is about painting the picture of the buyer journey. Um, you know, for inbound, it's, it's different, right? They you probably did some pre-purchase research. They might've been part of a nurture campaign. So it's really uh, great to capture that for sure and how they converted on the website, et cetera. And then you have outbound, which, you know, uh, what, what I love about outbound is the ability to target your ICP um, and be able to really position something that you know, they probably thought about, but maybe didn't quite consider before. And, you know, I, I think that's really the value of SDRs um, amongst many different um, areas of value that SDRs bring. But the ability to really ask these compelling questions that, listen, I always tell my SDRs, look, the CISOs that you call, they're a little bit smarter than you when it comes to security. But I think it's fair to add value by telling stories and um, giving some perspective on what we've been seeing, right? Yeah. So um, absolutely, those are two different journeys. And I think it's helpful to, if possible, uh, balance out inbound and outbound. Okay. Um, second of all, the internal language. Yeah, I, I think it's just something that I, I found in listening to a lot of uh, stage zero to two calls and even closing calls that I've been a part of is you know, just as an example, uh, my last company was Capsulate and, you know, we talked about how we are helping out with runtime, basically this concept of, look, your SaaS product is up and running. If it's down, that's money being lost. You know, think about last year with Slack and LinkedIn, right? That kind of concept. And so um, I realized that sometimes, the, uh, sorry, most times they didn't refer to it as runtime. 
They called it availability. They called it, yeah, we just got to keep the thing, we got to keep the engine running. And there were just, just, just jargon that they use internally that did not reflect the marketing website. And it, listen, I'm not asking for a deep analysis, but capture those and speak that language. I think it's yeah. so important to be able to, you know, don't act like you're a CISO because you're not, you're in sales and you might be a, a value added partner or whatnot, but, but know, your, know where you fit into the picture, but speak their language. Cool. I love that. I love that. So speak their language. And for, for younger startups who are trying to find that ICP, they're often um, technical leaders that are heavy on product um, and that maybe don't necessarily know how to go capture that market insight. They don't know how to have those conversations. So I think it's important that there's, there's some, some initiative to go and understand how the market describes your problem when you're trying to validate your assumptions around what that ICP looks like. And that's such an easy thing to do when you first started a company, because all you got to go do is talk to your customers. Like it's so simple to do. Why do you think more people don't do that? Um, I think there is, and I'm, you know what, I'll speak for myself. You know, when I started, I had this insecurity that if I didn't provide <clears throat> value to the CMO and speak their marketing language, um, that they, I would not be credible. And you know, part of that's true. And quite frankly, part of that propelled me to develop what I've developed today. But you know, what I tell my SCRs is there's a way that you all provide value to C-suite folks that, you know, quite frankly, have been in the career sometimes as long as you've been alive. And yeah. that's okay. It's okay that they understand who you are. No need to act like you're calling to ask about initiatives. Just be very transparent. I always tell, you know, SCRs like, it's okay that you're insecure. I was there too. I was equally, if not, I was the king of insecurity when it came to feeling like I need to build up my knowledge. And, 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 you know, I think there's ways to have value in um, picking up on pieces of knowledge, like case studies, benchmarks, be equipped. Right. And so that's a whole different tangent, but I would say that it's, I think it's that insecurity and I can in first, firsthand um, empathize with that. Yeah. And so that might also play a, a role in, you know, how do you, uh, you know, shameless plug here, what technology do you use to empower your reps to make sure that uh, they kind of have that knowledge and that, that those case studies available when they need them. Um, so it kind of plays a I role could, in that as well. And if I could just, um, I realized I didn't close the loop on that concept. So I think that insecurity leads to someone just reading jargon, 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 and then that right yeah true. Um, yep. i should have closed the loop on that and that's why we don't care to listen to what they're saying we're more focused on building up our lexicon of jargon and then <laughs> bleh, right so yep yeah yeah absolutely all right well so all these things um did you sit here and talk about um can you share a few examples of the best way to actually start to like piece this all together and visualize the the stage zero to two discovery, what we've learned there, the current customer, the seven to 10, um, the talking with their language, like how do you start to piece all this together? Yeah, absolutely. So I, it's that, it's also looking at your close one, close lost, interpreting medic notes. That's something that I always, you know, like to incorporate in there. Um, I'm going to just jump into, you know, instead of, talking of bullet points, I'm going to just tell a story of what we built at Capsule 8 um, that was really fantastic, which was essentially a 
big feedback loop, right? Yeah. Um, talking about internal alignment and being able to provide that visibility, but right? how do you tie it together and kind of see it, right? Uh, Greg, correct me if I'm wrong, but that's kind of the direction that you were um, talking about, correct? Yep, absolutely, 100%. So, so what, I, what, I, what I did was I, first and foremost, I try to identify what the business units needed, right? When I say business units, like we have sales, marketing, product marketing, product, et cetera. Um, and not, not so much to, you know, uh, gain credibility and go, what do you need? I'm going to get it for you, but really to do it to, again, map it to the buyer journey. So whenever I begin to speak to different business unit leaders, I always end those calls, uh, with a follow-up for myself to look at where that fits in from a funnel perspective, from a buyer journey funnel perspective, not internal, not that, but again, looking at through the lens of the buyer journey perspective. So if we're talking to marketing, obviously top of funnel product and positioning uh, that could be anywhere, but depending on the topic, it could be maybe towards the POC where they need to really position the value of the, what the proof of concept will do, et cetera, yeah. et cetera. And so once I did that, I started to connect the dots again to the funnel, not just brown nosing and trying to win people over. I mean, that's a part of it, but in this context, I mean, map it to the funnel. Um, so some examples might be like, you know, product uh, at Capsulate product didn't have access to Salesforce and they couldn't see why they bought. They couldn't see medic notes. They couldn't see anything. Um, and they were asking for sales and nobody would give it to them because it was like, oh, I'll get it to you later. And so then, you know, uh, again, this is not about me, but somebody that comes in as an operator that thinks in this framework is able to connect that dot and go, ah, they don't have it. Let's create something. And I'll share what I did. Second, you have uh, our uh, example is... Um, uh, uh, Kelly Shortridge, uh, a VP of product manager, very um, great partner, learned a lot from her. And it was the first time as an SDR leader that I got to interface uh, with a product manager, a product leader. And that was really fascinating because she was, you know, forming, uh, gathering some herd and market, you know, with her analysts and her back channels. But something she didn't have was kind of like herd and market that just was out there. And I think that was a great opportunity for the sales development, just top of the funnel teams to be able to make those calls. And maybe it's not just always about booking a meeting, but what I would loosely call market development, understand what they need, do a bit of a survey on a call and understand what they need. And that allowed us actually to create something really fascinating, which was, you know, uh, messaging tweaking. So she had a hypothesis that, you know, the security teams would think about products a certain way. And then I said, well, I've been hearing this and we would go back and forth and we make slight adjustments. This is not a product marketer. This is not a content market. This is the product manager that leads the product. And we're dialoguing about what she sees from a technical perspective. And then as the top of funnel leader and myself, we would dialogue about how we would run these micro campaigns. And even on a cold call, could we tweak something? Could we do some A-B testing on the phone and even email? And as a matter of fact, this is a whole different conversation. I don't want to keep going here, but that actually uh, uh, produced really great uh, results uh, from a herd and market and from a purely pipeline perspective. Um, marketing, you know, talking about uh, positioning with new releases, sales leadership, they're asking what's working. And so uh, ops, they need data, like what, what uh, you know, what are, who are competitors? What are they having? What's their pain point? So when we tie that all together, um, here's what we created. Basically, um, Product didn't have anything. So essentially I tied the funnel by um, everyone had Slack. 
And I created a channel in Slack and it was just called Discovery Notes. Super simple, nothing complicated. I had my Salesforce admin create a couple of workflow rules. And anytime that in Salesforce, a rep would type up their Discovery Notes, um, like in a field, it would trigger to that channel. And so that essentially that. gave visibility to all those parties. And here's the kicker to tie it. I got... Um, uh, John Viega was our CEO, a great, great, great leader. And, you know, I got buy-in in that way and added him and our chief product officer to that channel. So what happened there? Reps couldn't really not do it or add kind of <laughs> subpar notes. So that's how I thought about change management in that regard to add that visibility. And I got my CMO to really go, this is fantastic. And in all hands, we'd share it because, you know, as a startup, we want to know what's going on in our market. Yeah. And yeah. so that caught traction and more eyes were on it, which again, feedback loop caused the note takers and inputters to take it more seriously. So question on that. <clears throat> I, I love the, like the, it's almost like a, a side effect, right? Where the reps were like, oh, now I have to actually do serious notes. Um, but as you were going through this process and connecting with product, connecting with marketing, um, like, did you face any friction? Did anybody go like, ah, I disagree with you? Like, how much room was there for feelings versus like objective data points? Because I can imagine someone who owns product. You know, there's, there's a certain ego associated with that, right? Like, and then there's this yeah. like SDR leader coming in and be like, ah, you're wrong, buddy. Um, how did that go over? Yeah, um, absolutely. It was pushback from everyone kind of, you know, why, why are we doing this? Like, uh, you know, I always joke around and say, I used to really dislike the ops person that tapped my shoulder to update CRM. And, you know, <laughs> I've become that person essentially. Yeah. <laughs> and, and really it starts with my personal conviction that, listen, it's not just note-taking, it's allowing us to be more predictable with our business. It's to understand our ICP. And once you gather that data, that magic happens from a revenue perspective. And I think it starts with just being able to share that conviction that, you know, that I have in that and sharing that doesn't mean they're going to believe it or care for it, but I think it starts there. And then from there, I'll just small wins. I think a big lesson uh, to be had and um, not everyone of your audience, I don't believe it are startup folks, but I think a good chunk are, and yeah. you know, a value, something that I really value that was appropriated at um, last couple of startups that I've been a part of is process over perfection. Take what you can start small to build a perfect wall. It starts with one perfect brick. And I think I'll take the notes that we can add it and take small wins, take it and position it and its iterations. It definitely didn't happen overnight. I know I'm just trying to consolidate and position kind of the future state of what we were able to accomplish, but it was, it was a process. Absolutely. Yeah. I love that. That ties well into our last point. So you know, you get to a startup and there's this like, you know, every day is focused on growth, right? Like, you know, VPs of sales are expected to come in and within, you know, a sales cycle, essentially move the needle on maybe a decrease in sales velocity or an increase in pipeline velocity, whatever that might be. Um, these things take time though. And so how do you essentially like manage up the expectations that these are, we're laying the bricks to essentially become that solid, sturdy wall, that solid foundation. Like, how do you communicate that to your CEO who's getting pressure from the board to grow? And you're like, hey, hold, hold on, buddy. Like, we still got these things to do. Yeah, it's, that's uh, it's the name of the game. Um, I'll start with it's not easy. Um, it takes, it takes um, you know, uh, honestly, it starts with 
expectations and communication, right? I, I know that sounds lofty, but really that is where it starts, right? Even from before starting the job, even in the interview process, make sure that there's fit. And, and listen, I'm not asking for super tight, hard set numbers, but let's talk about expectations. How much time do we have? What's the planning? And, and I would even start my, um, um, once you're, you know, obviously everyone's a different situation, but once you're kind of bullish about the opportunity, I'd start planning, right? And so typically I've done 90 day transition plan presentations uh, to a panel. And I think that's where I really, when I feel like this is the company, I kind of go in a little harder, right? And so I really do take that 90 days to, um, you know, because that's kind of the standard, if you will, that is kind of given to you, right? So yeah. communicate and set expectations about, you know, what that time horizon means for that specific business in that moment of time. Second, really take, I really do take those 90 days and spread it out. I think I'm naturally inclined to go a million hours and want to do everything at once. But I think the last couple of years, I've learned to spread it out and be okay with like, you got to plan it out and don't get so like really plan out your calendar more beyond week over week, right? Yeah. Um, second, a couple of tactical things that have been very helpful for me. Um, my, my, my boss, Melissa Goldberger, one of the best boss I've ever had, who's enabled me to really uh, do my job well in my last role. She says, she, she would typically say this quote uh, to, to her leadership team. It's, you know, I talk to Giray maybe once a week. I have no idea what he's doing day to day, but I also know everything he's doing day to day. And that's, I think is a testament to the, um, um, the visibility in the form of data and reporting that I've put together to provide for her, right? Um, and I think I learned that because I learned it the hard way. I think I started my career um, in SaaS being obsessed with data and have all these reports that were interpreted so cleanly by Geary's head, but to everyone else, they're going, <laughs> what is this? What is this in context to what we're trying to achieve with the revenue targets? And I think I learned the hard way. And so I, I, I created, I tried to granular, right? Uh, my reps know I'm not trying to micromanage them. I'm just trying to provide as much visibility from calls and looking at the call to convert conversation ratio, conversation to meeting. Again, from that funnel perspective, providing that. And quite frankly, and the second thing I have is an MBO sheet. Um, uh, MBO is just uh, managed by objectives. And for those of know, it's just, it's just a spreadsheet of checklists, right? And I just create it for my 90-day plan for myself to plan, but I share that with my direct report and anyone that's relevant. And I put things like the action item, current state, future state, timeline, status, notes, links. And I have that for my first 90 and I just give that out and there's no question. So in this, in the, in the context of communication expectation, they know exactly what's going on without having to check and go what's going on. Um, and I so I, I kind of wrap up in that way from a very uh, tactical um, uh, tackling of, you know, how do we manage up in these situations? I love that. And so the, the kind of the, the icing on the cake then is if you're going to go and do that, you're going to throw your 90 day plan out there. Like there's no room to not execute on that. Like once you've made that commitment, right, you have to go and deliver on that. You can't be like, ah, oh, it's going to take 180 days, 80 days in. Like you have to, it takes a certain level of confidence to go and kind of throw that out there. Be like, this is what I'm going to do. And then actually go and execute on it. So, um, and that's obviously why you've continued your success and you continue to see your, your career progress because you, you do what you say you're going to do. So um, any final thoughts from you, sir, before we uh, kind of wrap up? 
I mean, it's, I, I think it's going back to the basics is what I've been really focused on the last couple of years and then beginning to consider, you know, different ways of engagement. I think it's been for me, a maniacal focus on, you know, I've been, I've been kind of chewing on this topic of growth leaders are kind of like, you know, STR leaders and just uh, growth leaders and general sales leaders. I think they're, you know, we should think about it as kind of like marketing that's really about prioritization. It's a lot like product marketing in that it's a focus on the persona, how they think and their process and how they do their day-to-day. And finally, it's like being a salesperson in that um, sales rep and that it's all about logical next steps. And I think having experience in those things and, you know, for myself, I'm, I'm, uh, I've been a top of funnel leader and I'm kind of focused on, you know, the encompassing revenue engine. That's gone a long way, but the theme there for me has been really focus on that buyer journey, look at the funnel and truly, you know, uh, deliver value to the customer in the, not just in a cliche way, but aligning it to how they buy and how they think about things. I love that. Well, I took away a couple of really good things from our conversations today, Gire. First one, um, kind of go and listen, like have your customers describe to you how they describe your product internally. Seems so simple, but it's not something that um, I think I've ever come across before. So I love that. Um, I also love process over perfection, um, small improvements. Um, I think that might even be the title of this podcast is process over perfection. Um, because I think, you know, continuous process improvement, right? How can we make small changes every single day to continue to get better? And then really the third one is um, communicate and, and visibility, right? So let everybody know, you know, what you're working on, why you're working on it and what the expected end outcome is going to be good or bad. Um, I think if you kind of can consistently deliver that message across all levels of the organization, you know, there's never going to be a question as to, you know, why is Gray spending time with this person over here? Why are they spending this time over here? Right? Like as long as that's communicated and documented, um, you know, you're setting yourself up for support, right? So Really great content today. I appreciate your time. If anybody wants to get in touch with you to continue this conversation with you, what's the best way to get in touch with you, Gire? Yeah, LinkedIn. Um, no one has my name, uh, Gire Jang. You can just look at the podcast title, <laughs> connect with me there. Uh, love love talking shop about you know all things sales engagement. Cool. Awesome, man. Well, enjoy the rest of your day. And uh, thank you again for joining us on the Abstract Podcast. Thanks, Greg.